The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Also wanted to talk about Green Shirt Day. Uh, tomorrow is the memorial, of course. We'll be broadcasting it live and coverage starts here at 4, service at 4.30, expected to last until 6 o'clock. Sunday is Green Shirt Day in honour of Logan Boulay. He was one of the victims of the crash. And in opting, opting to be an organ donor, Logan helped save six lives and drove an increase in over 100,000 organ donor registrations across Canada in the month of April 2018 alone. Have you signed your organ donor card? Have you gone online at myhealth.alberta.ca and signed up? It's easy to do so. I wanted to talk to Dr. Braden Manns, the Associate Chief Medical Officer of Health and a kidney specialist with Alberta Health Services about organ donation in the province. Hi, doctor. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Now, um, when it comes to organ donation, I was looking at uh, some of the numbers. So what was it? Um, Typically... Uh, what was it last year? According to Alberta Health, during the month of April 2018, there was almost 29,000 Albertans who registered to become a donor, an almost threefold increase from the usual 10,000 who sign up monthly. Um, I'm guessing that's tapered off. What is kind of the average when it comes to those who sign up and how many do we have signed up? Well, so that talks about the number of people who are signed up to be a living or to be a deceased donor. That's right. If they pass away through unexpected circumstances, and you know about a hundred thousand people across Canada uh, signed up in the week after uh, the Humboldt uh, yeah. tragedy. We have, I mean, the more relevant thing. So the the registration is really important, and you're right. You can do it through signing your uh, your driver's license when you renew. You can go onto the Alberta Health Services website you mentioned. Um, but the number that we that's really important to people in need of organs are the numbers that of, of Albertans that donate their organs each year, and that sits somewhere around 70 to 80 each year. And you're right that um, one deceased donor can save the lives of six six individuals. And I think, and we talk about this all the time, and about the importance of making sure you talk with your family about it. You're absolutely right. Because what happens? Um, if you don't? Well, so we have a system, and most areas of the world have a system, which is an, uh, even when you've signed your organ donor card, or you've gone to the website and registered, in the tragic circumstance that you end up having a terrible car crash, end up in the intensive care unit, when they talk to your family, it's actually that discussion that decides on whether you absolutely hmm. um, end up donating your organs. And so obviously having signed your organ donor card would be a good um, indicator of something. Good indicator you to, to your do, yeah. family that that's what your wishes were. But, you know, that might have been a few years ago. And so mm. the law is that, that you know, you, you talk to the, the substitute decision maker in those circumstances. Um, if you've had that discussion with your family, though, I signed my organ donor card and this is why it's important to me, then uh, that registration really just makes that conversation easier and it sort of normalizes the process of what's a really difficult conversation for healthcare staff to have with with a family who's just been given the shocking information that, you know, their their loved one is, is brain dead or has no, no hope of, of recovery. 
Now, reading about this today, and I think this is is quite interesting, um, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot with this one, um, but Nova Scotia um, Mm -hmm. could become the first province in Canada to adopt a policy of presumed consent for organ donation. And that means unless you say no or your next of kin say no, your organs will be donated if they can. Now, children under the age of 19 would be exempt exempt from the law, which is expected to be implemented, um, I think, in 2020. Um, your thoughts on that? So you're right. That changes the process. That you're it? automatically opting in as, a, as opposed yeah. to that you need to sign your, sign your card to sort of opt in. Um, they, they, they've said that, you know, of course, if the family um, absolutely refused, that there would be ongoing discussions. Mm-hmm. But this is a bit of a, you know, the reason that a lot of jurisdictions haven't done this is it's actually a controversial policy. Spain is always lauded as that they have presumed consent and they have the highest number of organ donors per Hmm. million population. But there's a lot of things that are different. Road accidents, a lot of the way that they've structured organ donation within hospitals to ensure that in every situation where somebody has... uh, is not going to have the possibility of recovering that a discussion happens. And systems that have just put in place presumed consent have not always seen an increase in organ donation. And as you can imagine, there's a potential risk that there's backlash, that Mm -hmm. actually the public sees this as you're making decisions for me that are not necessarily in my best Mm -hmm. interest. Um, And so you have to manage that, that at the end of the day, uh, the whole organ donation system it only works um, when there's good public support hmm. for it um, and when people are willing to do this because, you know, we're not paying you to do this. Yeah. Uh, people do this out of, the free, out of their free goodwill or their family does. Dr. Braden Mann's joining us this afternoon as we talk about organ donation. You talk about support and public support. Um, what, I mean, things have changed. Um, you know, it, it, more and more people are signing up. Yeah. And, you know, the the conversation, you know, thing, un- the unfortunate, gosh, the story, you know, from, from Humboldt uh, last year. But, you know, we are talking about it more, but we could use more people signing up, couldn't we? Well, that's, that's my opinion. Sorry, yeah, that's no, my you're opinion. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But it goes beyond just signing up. So that, that really is, that's a set, that's a... That's something that primes the system and it normalizes it for for the public's discussion. Mm-hmm. But there's, you know, some um, areas of the world, we, we all vary in, in how many people end up donating and it's part the, the, the public recognition and the education. It's part how are we able to, to offer the opportunity to donate to everyone. And then, of course, um, you know, about half of the, so the most common organ that's donated is, is a kidney. Yeah, I was going to get um, to that. <laughs> yeah, and, and about half of the donors that we have in Alberta are, are living donors. Yes. Um, and that's, if we're going to make a big uh, difference, we have to increase the number of deceased donors and, and living donors. Uh, and this, the approach is a little bit different through both of those. But, you know, it's often not known that we think of living donors as well. That's yeah. what your brother does. Yeah. That's what your mother does. Yeah. But it's not actually often thought of, well, that's what your friend can do. Yeah. Um, or, you know, we have people actually coming out of the woodwork and donating anonymously. Hmm. Um, and, of course, it's a little bit different with living donation because you're taking a healthy person mm-hmm. um, and they're, they're making a, they're making a, a well-informed choice to come forward and donate. Um, 
but there's a slight risk to that. So they have to go through a long workup process. There's a lot of discussions. There's a lot of back and forth that goes into becoming a donor. Um, and so we also need to make that as easy as possible, acknowledging um, acknowledging how important the donation is. Yeah, we've talked uh, on this uh, show in the past, um, trying to wave the flag for some folks who, you know, needed mm-hmm. a living uh, a living donor. And when you, he- you hear about it, and I, and I know, you know, Doctor, and I've mentioned this too before, I've um, done a lot of work with cystic, cystic fibrosis mm-hmm. over my 30-year career, and I've lost... Um, three friends who were waiting for lung transplants. Um, One of the, another friend of mine had a lung transplant and is now into her 50s and doing really, really well. Um, And I know there's that balance too for for folks who are waiting for a transplant. And in this case, I just know it from, from the lung side that you have to be sick enough to get it, but healthy enough to make it through. There's, there's this balance. There's balances all across this, isn't there? You're absolutely right, and they're, uh, one of the really unfortunate things that happen is, is people can be sick enough to get it well enough to, uh, or sick enough to need it well enough to get it, but then while they're waiting on yeah. that wait list, which yep. can be so long, their health deteriorates to the point they're no longer mm-hmm. uh, well enough to get it, and, and that are wait lists for kidney transplants, um, and, and we're doing a lot to, to try to uh, clean up the whole process to make it easier for people to donate. There's a lot of, of, inf- of, of work going on around education, but still the wait lists um, anywhere from five to eight years. Wow. And so we have about 10% of people who wait on the wait list each year who either pass away mm. or they you know, develop health conditions, meaning yeah. they're no longer able to receive a kidney transplant. So yes, you're right. You see it from the lung perspective, but people who are waiting for hearts would see it from that perspective yeah. and we see it from the, the kidney perspective side, yeah. of kidney uh, recipients. I, there's a couple of texts coming in um, from my from my listeners that I want to throw at you if that's okay. Someone wanted to know if senior citizen organs are viable to be donated. Is there an age? Well, uh, <laughs> so there's not a specific age um, and I guess it's slightly different for deceased donors. Okay. Um, but if if somebody, for instance, had a terrible stroke and they were at the age of 70, but they were otherwise pretty healthy and their organs were in good shape, they would absolutely look at that kind of situation. If you wanted to donate your organ, you were 70 and you wanted to donate to your son or, or daughter who mm-hmm. developed kidney failure or, or needed an organ, you know, it's not just about age. It's about physiologically how well you are and, and can you go through a surgery at minimal risk um, and is it going to affect your long-term health because no kidney or no donor surgeon wants to take anybody to the operating room and, and, and submit them to excess risk. Um, Marfus texted in and said, would you ask the, the doctor when a kidney is donated, will the right side fit the left? How does that work? And how are organs being kept track of when they become available? Yeah, so that's, uh, <laughs> if, 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 uh, if I think I understand what the question is, so our kidneys are actually set, uh, put into the body not quite uh, as, a, as a mirror image. Uh, the left one's much easier to get at. So oh. if you were going to donate as a living donor, um, they can actually take one of the kidneys out with basically a laparoscope and, really? and bring it out and put it into the other person. And that's fairly minor surgery. Whereas if you have to have your right one taken out, um, you actually have to typically have an incision through the back, which is a much bigger surgery. Mm-hmm. And we're all built differently. Um, 
when it goes into somebody, actually it doesn't go into the area where the old kidneys were. Your old kidneys stay in, even though they're not working. It goes into your pelvis on the front, uh, just oh. protected behind your pelvic bone. Learn something new on this show yeah. every day. One more question for you. This is from Victor. He says, can you ask the doctor, please, about the option where you can donate your body to science? Is it worth it? I'm very curious to hear how he would explain it. I have signed up for that, but would organ donation be a better option? That's a great. Uh, that's a great question. It actually you go through a slightly different channel. Um, the medical schools, though, as you can imagine, um, your medical doctor needs to practice uh, to learn about how the body is put together, and there is absolutely a need for that. People can also, of course, um, the, the process of signing your organ donor card, and if you end up donating, you know, something tragic happens, you end up donating your. Uh, uh, your kidneys, of course, they would potentially also take your cornea and the other mm-hmm. tissues that are in your body. Uh, the process for the medical, um, you know, using your body for science is different, but it's also important. Hmm, very interesting. And, and this was, um, I'm going to throw this one at you too. We talked about the uh, the, the uh, presumed con- uh, consent yeah. for organ donation. Um, and this is a question. It says, with that, how do we know that the hospital will do their best to save you and not the person that needs the, the organ? Well, so that's exactly the concern. Yeah. And, you know, the tension always, uh, and it's a healthy tension. Uh-huh. Um, if you're looking after recipients who, or, you know, somebody, you, you, you mentioned it around somebody waiting for a lung, uh-huh. uh, and that you can wait long enough that you actually pass away. So do you need doctors who are looking after those people who are an advocates for those people. But importantly, you need uh, the critical care doctors, the emergency room physicians who are looking after that person who suffered that critical injury. They need to be the ones that decide if there's no hope of that person recovering and if there's ever any concern that yeah that the doctor's not trying as hard the yeah. healthcare team's not trying as hard to save that person's life and that somehow they're just trying to get them teed up to be an organ donor Oof. that would be a crushing thing for you know the whole organ donation system Absolutely. works on the fact that the doctor and the healthcare team look after that person to their best interest it's only when there's no hope of recovery that then the discussion switches to to donation. Dr. Braden Manns joining us this afternoon, the Associate Chief Medical Officer of Health and a a Kidney Specialist with Alberta Health Services. Thank you, Doctor, for this. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you, Dr. Braden Manns, this afternoon. Learn something new every show, as we've always said. Now, as we mentioned, Sunday is Green Shirt Day in honor of Logan Boulay, of course, one of the victims of the deadly Humboldt crash. In opting to be that organ donor, he helped save six lives and drove an increase of over 100,000 people to donor registrations across Canada in the month of April last year alone. When we come back, we'll hear from his dad. He was a kid, he'd be up at five. Take shots till eight and make the thing drive. Out of school and back on ice. That was his life. He was going to play in the big league. Logan Boulay had hoped to play in the big league, of course. One of the victims of the Humboldt bus crash tomorrow marks one year. A memorial service uh, it will be underway in Humboldt. The coverage starts here on 6.30 Chad at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. The service starts at 4.30, expected to last until 6. Um, we've been talking about organ donation this half hour. And thanks for all your great questions, by the way. This morning, uh, Logan's dad uh, spoke to Ryan Jesperson about his son, uh, his son's decision to be an organ, organ donor, and this is what he had to say. 
We're doing okay. Um, yeah, we're doing okay. There's good and there's bad every day. And um, this morning started off as a beautiful sunny day, and Logan likes sunny days. It's just, as you can only imagine, Ryan's been an incredibly long journey. It's not like he can grieve privately, and some families have chosen to do that, and I, we just don't know how they do that. But kudos to them. It's just it's a national scope of the tragedy. We've been forced ourselves to open our windows and open our doors and allow the world to come in and talk to us. And because Logan wanted to be an organ donor, he was very clear about that. And so part of his being an organ donor is for the families to talk. And so we're talking. Logan was training with a fitness coach and mentor in Lethbridge, uh, Mr. Rick Suggett, who's from the Edmonton area. His name is Sluggo. Coached rugby professionally and played in Edmonton. And he coached professionally up in Edmonton. And he coached the Canadian national teams, the USA women's Olympic team. And he got the job at, in Universal Lethbridge as a rugby coach. He was then training Logan and three of his friends as a favor to me. I was a volunteer manager. Rick passed away on June 27, 2017, of a cerebral brain hemorrhage. After his passing, Logan and I were just, we hung out all the time on our back deck in Lethbridge just looking at the coolies and maybe having a hot tub. And in August sometime, just literally out of the blue, he says, I'm going to sign up to be an organ donor, Dad. And I said, awesome. You'll be 80 years old and nobody will want your organs. He goes, no. <laughs> we laughed. He goes, nope. Rick signed up to be an organ donor and he saved six lives. So if I pass, I want to be able to <sighs> save six lives. So then fast forward to the week of his birthday because we bugged our daughter Mariko and our son Logan forever that you're not legal until you're 21 years old and you can buy beer anywhere in the world. So the week of his birthday, he was with his billet brother McLaren Paulson in Humboldt doing the errands and Logan drives a little Jetta around. And McLaren says, what are you doing for your birthday? And Logan says, I'm signing my donor card. And he goes, what? Logan says, yeah, I'm going to be an organ donor like Rick. I can save six lives if he can do it. I'm going to do it also. And McLaren said, well, that's kind of creepy. Logan said, nope. And so then, of course, the crash happened on April 6th, and Logan held on for 27 hours. Before that, in that little room that you see on TV where they have, the families have to go, they told us the news, and we asked if that's the news, and they said, that's the news. And my wife didn't know about our conversation with Logan. With Logan. I, she didn't know that because it was talking about Logan's mortality, and I didn't want to talk about it, so I didn't tell her. And she just says, can we donate Logan's organs? Because he's fit and strong, and he doesn't need them. And they looked at her like, she just, I don't know what. They they looked at her like, did you just say, can we donate? And, uh, yes. So then that night, um, and I mentioned that, of course, after that time, that Bernie had offered, I then said, well, that Logan actually spoke to me. And then that night, when the nurse was at our Logan's bedside at about 3 in the morning, the Paulsons had made it out there finally because the roads are closed all over the place. And the uh, organ transplant nurses were going through the paperwork, and she's saying, well, Logan's an organ donor because he's told you, and did he register? And we go, we don't know. And also McLaren goes, oh, yeah, he signed his, signed his donor card. And we all looked at him and like, what are you talking about? And then he told his part of the story that I just told you. So, yes, everything lined up, but it was a strange story, to say the least. It was just incredible, to be honest with you. Uh, Toby Boulay, that is Logan Boulay's dad, uh, talking about uh, Logan's decision to become an organ donor five weeks before the Humboldt bus crash. Uh, Green Shirt Day will be held on Sunday. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.